0: It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports Tim Unclesby and Tom Barton.
1: And a wonderful Sunday night. Las Vegas. Welcome on in. It's Heat Wave Sports. Fox Sports Radio. Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM. 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Damon Cotton with you. Oh yeah. And I have a co-host tonight. No, it's not Tommy Barton. He's taking his well-deserved three-day vacation, but another good friend of the show and friend of mine personally, radio personality Chris Wynn is joining us. Chris you know, you were on the show with Tommy last week. Now you're on the show with Big Tim.
0: Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. get a little variety, right? Some That's back it. and forth. Can't can't go wrong with some Sunday night sports talk and banter. Of course, uh, you know the deal, right, Tim? We're on the back end of the weekend, so there's always a lot of quality stuff to go over. Yeah.
1: Chris, you keep yourself busy nowadays. I mean, you're literally on every station across the dial. You always seem to find a way to keep your, your – uh, your sports knowledge out there and well-deserved. I and mean, You know, you do a couple of other shows with some friends of ours and you're very busy over on Twitter. Why don't you throw that out real quick so people can find you when they, when they want to hear you.
0: Yeah. Make sure, make sure if all the listeners out there, if you want to chime in, hit us up, hit Tim up on heatwave sports on Twitter, myself at Christian Win, And also Tommy, even though Tommy's off. He's not afraid to respond on Twitter at, <laughs> at Tom Barton sports as well too. You can find my at Christian Wynn on Twitter. So always uh, very active and you're right you're right tim it's a it's a great it's a great uh, thrill for me to get a chance to talk sports i've been you know here in this town for you know upwards past a decade now on the sports airwaves here in las vegas and 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 had a chance to you know get, get it's always uh, a joy for me when i get to weigh on everything whether it's you know whether it's the las vegas aces whether it's the golden knights of course whether it's the nba finals obviously you know a lot of activity this weekend with ufc and the Open Championship. You've got Major League Baseball, the second half in full swing. So it's, it's just always great to be able to kind of chime in. And oh yeah, by the way, Tim, we are under 50 days away from opening kickoff to the NFL and college football season. Can you believe it? We're going to be back, full stadiums, uh, uh, you know, an atmosphere that we are more used to as sports fans. It's going to be great. So looking forward to to uh, get a chance to talk about it and also of course obviously the next couple of months in the sports
1: oh yeah and we're gonna of course have you on for our preview shows when it's football time you know i just i want to jump into the time machine real quick and you know i don't know if we've ever told this story but this show has been on the air 12 years you've been in vegas over 10 years and Mm -hmm. you and i met via the fox sports old studio through a, uh, I don't remember the name of the show, but I know it was uh, Jimmy Tuma and
0: Lou Kelly. I exactly believe, right. Yeah. Yes, it was Jimmy Tuma and Seat Williams, and we also uh, I also did a show with Jimmy, and also uh, a lot of a lot of listeners out there probably know Pat Casal, i.e. Carmine. Mm-hmm. They used to do a show over on Fox Sports back, like you like you pointed out at the at the uh, at, when it was on the other, it was it was a, a different number actually on the AM side. And it was strictly on the AM side, wasn't on the FM side. They just obviously started simulcasting both in the last, you know, five, six years. But, yeah, we, we do go back. Uh, we go back a little bit, my friend. We go back to the, to the days where there was no Vegas Golden Knights, right, where, you know, the only show in town was UNLV and some and AAA sports, obviously, AAA baseball with the 51s. And, of course, you know, obviously uh, uh, the Las Vegas Wranglers as well, too, and and, and a lot of other You know, more minor league stuff. Obviously, the landscape completely changed now, right, Tim? Regarding sports here in the great city of Las Vegas.
1: And we got a loaded show. Of course, we're going to talk about everything that you just broke down for us. But since you mentioned Vegas, and this is always a great topic to bring up because it does change so much, Chris, from uh, literally year to year, it seems like either we're getting a team, there's discussions to get a team, and something happens to where we don't get a team. But we ended up with, as you said... Golden Knights, the Raiders, and now, uh, Chris, I don't know where, where you're putting, you, you putting the scale here. I had to say, give me a percentage, Oakland A's coming to Las Vegas.
0: Wow. You, on the spot here, I'm going to throw the percentage out there at about 85%. In, in, in just in the last 48 hours, Tim, that percentage has jumped up a lot. And you know why it did? Because of what Rob Manfred you know, the public comments that he made regarding what the options in Oakland are for the A's. And, you know, and the way it looks just from the outside observer myself, you know, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of you baseball fans out there agree here in Vegas, it doesn't look very promising at all. The situation right now in Oakland, in the city of Oakland and, uh, you know, and, and some of the and some of the other you know cities and towns on the outskirts where they've proposed to build a stadium. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't transpired. I I mean, it was one of those things, right, Tim, where you thought it was going to go down a couple of years ago. They're going to move to Fremont and they're going to build a new stadium there. Then there was a talk about building it down on the lake, you know, down on the water, right downtown. It never transpired. And now you have essentially the commissioner of baseball coming out and saying, look, if you don't get this done in the next six months, we're going to be looking at other options. And Tim, let's be straight about it. OK, when he says other options, it's not like they're going to go to Portland. OK, no, they're not going to Oregon. They're not going to, you know, not going to Oklahoma City. They're not going to, you know, there's, there's not the other options are Las Vegas. OK, and yes, I understand that there are, is going to be challenges regarding a stadium where they're going to put the stadium you know, what exactly, you know, the stadium situation would be, you know, would they, would they just expand the Las Vegas ballpark and and in some way do that out in Summerlin or would they actually, you know, go full throttle and build a 45, 50,000 seat stadium with a retractable roof somewhere down close to the strip, whether it is at the Palms or whether it is at the Rio or with, whether it's anywhere else around the Las Vegas strip or downtown and, and decide to go that route and just play in uh, Las Vegas ballpark until that that stadium was built. Uh, there, there's all kinds of scenarios that present themselves here, Tim. But yes, I put it right now at 85 percent that there there will be a Major League Baseball team here in the next five years, and uh, and five years is extending it out. Obviously, it's something that could take place much sooner, you know, within a two year time frame. But I think there's a very high probability that uh, we're going to be adding Major League Baseball to the plethora of sports that we have here in Vegas uh, in the very near future.
1: Rob Manfred, he says a lot of things, Chris, and, you know, mm-hmm. step one obviously comes Tuesday when there's going to be a vote in in city of Oakland. And it's not expected to go well for Oakland A fans that want to see their team stay there, which it bodes well for Vegas, as you said. But, again, you're talking about this uh, perceived timetable that Rob Manfred set, which... Again, as you said, at the end of the day, Vegas is the destination. So I saw a, I was reading an article and somebody had left a comment about, well, why don't they just expand? And, and you know, Manfred's already said that he doesn't want to expand Major League Baseball until the stadium situations are settled in Oakland and in Tampa. Now, Oakland's is coming up. You know, um, Tampa, the problem in Tampa is there's a lease at Trop Field through 2027. So, right. Ideally, he's saying we're not going to expand until 2027, which at then point, you know, could it be Vegas if we don't get a team? Obviously, Portland, you said Oklahoma City, Montreal, another city that's looking at getting Major League Baseball again. So this would be top priority for the city of Las Vegas. And I think before you, you kind of saw the city dip their toe in the water a little bit, Chris, They're, they've kind of just dived all the way in on this one. And if it goes that route. I'm with you. I think 80, 85 percent is a fair estimate to think that we could be seeing uh, the Oakland A's playing baseball here in the next two years.
0: Well, there's no question, Tim. And look, we, we are obviously what we're considering, too, is we're considering once the decision's made, right? And, for example, and if it's, you know, they go past, you know, the the, uh, the, the just the speculation, right, that they could mm-hmm. come here once we are at a level where it's a done deal. Right. And the Oakland A's are definitely coming to Las Vegas. Then is the next step, which is, of course, the consideration regarding the stadium. And now, look, you, you understand, Tim, uh, you know, you've, you've been in Las Vegas longer than I have. I've been here for 18 years. But yeah. there, there are there's going to be challenges regarding the politics of this. Right. As far as the money and, and how exactly steam going to be built, who's going to pay for it. You know, those things are all something that's going to be have to be discussed, and I'm sure it's going to you know come into play regarding regarding all of that. That that's not I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that that's going to stop the team from coming here. I, I, I don't think it is, but there yes there are there are many things that need to be considered from a local standpoint, right? From a Vegas from our community standpoint. Regarding the stadium and how it's going to be funded, because we, you saw what happened with the, with Allegiant Stadium, you know, with everything that went down, where you had you know opposition locally, you had people, you had Las Vegans, longtime Las Vegans and Nevadans here, were saying, you know, what 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 is the, you know, this is ridiculous. This is you know, this shouldn't be our priority. Our priority should not be getting a football team here. Should be you know fixing the education system or fixing you know fixing uh, infrastructure or things like that. So, I mean, I don't want to get in the weeds here, but the point I'm trying to make is that. Uh, I yes, there's going to be challenges regarding the whole logistics of the stadium situation. But I don't think it's something that would stop having, you know, a major league baseball franchise, an established franchise like the Oakland A's coming here. Now, what you're, to your point where you brought up the expansion, obviously, that's further on down the line, right? You're talking about mm-hmm. 2027-ish. Right. You're talking about six, seven years from now. That's something that, you know, obviously, that's a fluid situation where, you know, and where changes could happen. All You know, there could be, you know, you could have cities that come into play that are more favorable by then than they are right now regarding adding an expansion team. You brought up Montreal, you know, some other places where Major League Baseball absolutely is viable and should be an option. But uh, I'm talking about this immediate situation right here regarding the, just this franchise, regarding the Oakland A's and, you know, coming here to Vegas. It just, to me... It just seems like something that's almost inevitable at this point, and and like you you and I and Tommy and, and all the rest of us baseball fans here in Vegas have seen what has happened in the city of Oakland with this team, obviously with the Raiders too, but but specifically to with the A's, and I'm just blown away that this is a team that plays in a stadium that is just archaic. You know, I mean we we all as football fans made fun of the Raiders for playing in that stadium and having, you know, being the, it's, it's the only stadium, you know, that has, it's, it was the only stadium left in the NFL. That was a dual stadium that had both their major league franchise and the, uh, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the baseball franchise and the football franchise playing in the same stadium. And it was kind of looked at like a joke. And they're still playing in that stadium. It's 2021, Tim. And they're still, playing there it's not really it's just it's just a it's it's a brutal situation major league baseball obviously is and and rob manfred his comments i think give you an indication of of where major league baseball stands on this they are also you know they're they're just looking to it looks like they're looking to move on and it looks like the oakland a's organization is going to be on board with that too and of course the city of las vegas will be sitting here waiting with open arms
1: and they're playing to um Empty, empty, a big empty stadium. And, you know, they're they're not getting the the fan support, and that's generally what you see when you see teams either fold or uh, move away. And that, that's the the road that the Oakland A's are on. So, I have two questions. If since we're gonna kind of just throw this around, so the first mm-hmm. question to you, Chris, would be, if the if the Oakland A's come to Las Vegas, and my and I'll use a, I'll use this example. So, an, the city of Anaheim which again is right inside the LA area right i mean you know 30 45 minutes away depending on traffic support the the uh, angels and they they generally they get in there a good 40 40,000 a night las vegas double the size of anaheim but not obviously not as big as the la area can they get 40,000 a night in 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 uh, oakland a stadium in las vegas
0: i think it's definitely Definitely something that can happen. Now look, I, I I hesitate, Tim, to make a comparison to a franchise like the Angels in Anaheim. It's an Orange County, as you pointed out, which is not necessarily Los Angeles, the city. Okay. Orange County is like its own entity almost, you know, and it has its own huge population and and it's not like you have LA fans, okay, driving from downtown LA out to out there to go watch games, Angels games. That's not really how it works. It's more you know it's people in Irvine it's people in Fullerton it's people in uh you know in, in in all those cities basically in Orange County that support the Angels it's essentially it's 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 yes it's in L, it's in the LA market right and we're talking about the second largest metropolitan area in the country after the tri-state area in New York but it's it's just different you know it's it's a different fan base it's the same thing it's the same thing with the Los Angeles Kings and with the Anaheim Ducks it's the same thing mm-hmm. The, the Ducks the Ducks fans are Orange County people, right? They're the people from those towns. They're the people that the, they support that team. It's not Los Angeles people rolling down. And, you, and you're being very generous, Tim, saying 30 minutes. It's more <laughs> like an hour and a half if it's normal traffic in L.A. on a normal day. Because uh, I had a friend of mine, you know, long story short, uh, a friend of mine who lived in Westwood. And we went down to a Red Sox-Angels game. And, uh, you know, we made the mistake of ro- rolling at about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we were stuck in traffic for a good two hours. The point being, though, is that there, there isn't, you know, you don't have the fan base that's in L.A., the city that's supporting that. But that means but moving to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a d- very different entity, of course. Um, there is some concern and legitimate concern, Tim, that's brought up that it's like it's the middle of the summertime. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's 110 degrees every day. I don't think, and that's the reason I brought up they need a retractable type of roof type situation here. Much like they have, I believe, in Milwaukee, right at Miller Park. I think Arizona has the same. Does Arizona have a retractable roof as well? Too, Correct. I'm not sure, but uh, but the point being is that you need to have a retractable roof situation, in my opinion, in Vegas. Yes, you can have a boutique ballpark. That's that's you know that's just state of the art. It's a baseball stadium, not a dual. You know, it's not going to be something that the Raiders are going to play in or some MLS team is going to play in. It's going to be a baseball ballpark. You know, essentially like a, a you know, uh, Camden Yards in Baltimore with a retractable roof. That's would be the ideal situation. I've, and I brought up earlier in this conversation, the talk about the spots where it could be, you know, because there's that whole rumor, they're going to tear down the Rio and try to, you know, try to build a stadium there and lure a, lure a baseball franchise here. There's been other spots around the city, uh, ex- expansion of the Lost Baseball Park. Those things are a possibility, but, uh, to, to answer your question, I think it can. I think it can because we do have the population base here now. The city is a lot different than it was even back in 2010, right? The population has continued to grow. It's continuing to grow. We're talking about a population base of over 2 million now in the Las Vegas Valley. So, yes, I think they can get 35 40,000. But if you can get 30,000, that's going to be fine, right, Tim? I mean, major league baseball, you get 30,000 as a base to every game, but you, but then again, Tim, you and I both know the novelty of sports, especially here in Vegas, okay? We are a tourist town. You know, everything, we saw what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights in year one. Everybody across the country, across the world that were hockey fans were coming to see their team, regardless of what city they're from. You know, they're going to come see their team. It was a novelty, and it's going to be a novelty as well. With major league baseball fans, when it comes to having a three-game series in Vegas, they're going to come here. You're a Dodgers fan. You're a Diamondbacks fan. You're a Yankee fan. You're a, a an Orioles fan. You're a Tigers fan. It doesn't matter. You're going to come initially. So they're going to initial. So I, w- I guess what I'm saying is, the initial boost is going to be extreme interest by baseball fans, and you have the novelty of Vegas. So yes, I think that initially, right out of the gate. It's going to be spectacular from that standpoint regarding the popularity and regarding what's going to go down. Now things could change, you know, maybe six, seven years down the line if the team's not any good and, you know, and certain things start to change, then maybe they don't, you know, have that that base. But but that's – we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think it's absolutely something that's going to be solid. Right out of the gate here in Las Vegas, regarding Major League Baseball,
1: and the thing with the baseball is because you're you're opened up to essentially, well, let's just say double what T-Mobile would hold for the uh, the nights, and you're and you're going to be a, a daily thing rather than a weekly sport like the Raiders would hold eight times a year minus the playoffs. Your ticket pricing will be a little bit better um, to go to a game to take the family game. I'm not saying it's not. It's still going to be majorly pricing, but it'll be better than trying to get to a—you saw what happened with the Knights, especially when they got in the playoffs, how much those tickets were going for. You see what the Raiders tickets are going for right now, so you have that option. But I'm glad you said—and I figured you were going to say yes, you thought it could support it, because I agree with you. I think it does. Now, we both know that the Oakland A's are the, the AAA affiliate of the Oakland—or, I'm sorry, the AAA affiliate of the Oakland A's is the Las Vegas Aviators over at Las Vegas Ballpark. And you and I have spent many nights— Hanging out at Cashman and the uh, the LV ballpark. So, does that does the city sustain having the AAA affiliate just like hockey in the same city as the major league team? Can they do both?
0: That's a Tim. I got I to be honest. That's a great question because I don't think that it would be. I don't think they're going to do it. You know, I look. I'm not some somebody that's on the inside. Of major league baseball, from their standpoint, and from the you know from the aviator standpoint, exactly if that was viable. I mean, I guess I'd like to believe that it could have it could work out because, look, again, you're out. They're out in Summerlin. It's 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 it's, a, it's an experience. This isn't a situation where you've got people driving from Henderson every day, right, Tim, to go out to Summerlin. To watch an aviators game right i mean all these games are, are being played in there. and look as you pointed out you myself uh, other friends of ours in the media we've gone to many games there and every game is is as a solid crowd i mean i'm there i mean it's, it's kind of it's, i've kind of blown, been blown away to be quite honest with you the amount of daily fan support that the las vegas aviators get you know yes i get it it's triple a baseball it's not the major leagues but this town or that, that portion of the city in Summerlin up there and, and, and the surrounding parts has absolutely supported that team. And, and it's out, we're talking about a first-class ballpark, right? One of the best ballparks in all of the minor leagues where the Aviators play. And they do, they do it right over there. Jim Gemma does a great job over there. They, they are tremendous when it comes to the game day fan experience. But from a, from a standpoint of if they do get a major league team here in Vegas – I wonder uh, out loud, Tim. I really do wonder if they're going to have both teams here. I I would I would I would almost expect that the A's would move their AAA team to another city. I I mean I almost I almost would, you know. Uh, and and t- I got to be quite honest with you when you brought that up just now, the possibility of having both the teams here, much like obviously the Henderson Silver Knights are going to do with the Vegas Golden Knights. In the NHL, and by the way, the NHL, there's there's a number of cities that do this where they have their AHL, you know, affiliate in basically the same city. You got it, I believe, in San Jose, right, with the Barracudas. I'm pretty sure Toronto, the Marlies. I think they're in the same. They're in Toronto, obviously, where the Maple Leafs are. There's certain there's other cities around the NHL where they do have their AHL franchise. Whether if it's not in the same city, it's essentially down the street. From from its city, so that's not the case in Major League Baseball. It's just not the case. You don't have that situation. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I can't even off the top of my head. I can't think of one Major League town that has their baseball franchise, you know, in the same in the same metropolitan area. It just doesn't happen. So I would expect that whether it's the powers that be with the Oakland A's. Major League Baseball or minorly or minorly baseball, MiLB. I would make a decision regarding that, but I but but if you're if you're putting me on the spot Tim, and asking me the question, can it support both? I think it can. I think it can because I think that if they just kept the situation out there in stumbling the way it is and they built like like you said and like I've said, if they go and build a 45, 50,000 seat, you know, uh, brand-new baseball, Major League Baseball stadium somewhere around the city, other than up in Summerlin, then I absolutely think that they could support both.
1: And and we remember, too, that the Major League team subsidizes and pays most of the AAA uh, bills, player contracts. No doubt. Around the no program. question about so, it. Yep. So, yeah, and it can work. I guess, it, you know, really, you look at what does it take for the Las Vegas Aviators to be profitable. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day, Chris. And when you have money coming in from the Major League franchise, it dramatically helps a lot. If you go back to the days of were you here when the Las Vegas Thunder were a were team here?
0: I was not here for that because yeah. I moved in 2003. So I was not. So they,
1: were, they were independent for, for, a, mm-hmm. a first, for a couple years and they you know of course they played the Thomas and Mac before the Thomas and Mac screwed them out of the lease, which I will always go to bat and say the Thomas and Mac screwed them out of that out of basically they screwed the team out of existence but whatever the case may be the the last few years they actually brought on made uh an aff- affiliation i believe at one maybe it was calgary for one year and then phoenix because the money they needed the money they, they sent down some of their top prospects to the to the uh, ihl at the time which is the same was what the ahl they had there was two leagues actually at the triple a level that back then so that it, it helped them out but at the end of the day, they said, you know, they were in, in charge of paying the lease and, and, and the other contracts for that team because they were partial affiliated. With it being a full affiliation, what does it take to, to keep the aviators uh, above water? And I think you see a lot of these, if you, break, if you Googled AAA Major League Baseball affiliates and looked at some of these cities that these teams play in, you know, there's no way in hell they're surviving without that Major League help.
0: Oh, no question about it. And yes, that's part of the financial makeup. And that's why I was saying, you know, you, myself, Tim, and, and by the way, our friend Jose Vellante, you know, is, uh, is texting and talking about how he thinks this is just a kind of a smoke screen that mm-hmm. they're just trying to force the city of Oakland's hand. And that, you know, the A's, there's no way I, I disagree with him. And he says, there's no way the A's are coming here. I think that there absolutely is a viability that they could come here and, uh, and I don't, I don't know if there's no public money in Vegas. I don't I don't know exactly what the financial situation is here regarding that. And and look, there could absolutely be some type of viable financial situation where they're just all private money ends up financing the stadium. And it's some, you know, it's some multi, multi billionaires that get together and decide to, you know, to to, you know, take this venture on, you know, because they could look at a profit on the back end. I don't know i i'm the point i'm trying to say is i'm no financial expert i'm just looking at it from strictly from a you know from a viability standpoint and from uh you know from a franchise and from a major league baseball standpoint and where they stand right now i just think it's something that absolutely could happen and and yes and and the aviators there's look i, I like i told you tim and you've been out there i am impressed okay at what they're getting there in a, on a game by game basis. As far as a fan base, as far as, you know, the attendance numbers, I did not think, okay, when you're in the midst of Vegas summers and it's 115 degrees out, okay, and it's still 100 degrees at 7 o'clock at night, you know, even up in Summerlin, which we're talking about a a little bit higher elevation, but still, it's still not, it's still not chilly. All right, Tim, they're still getting, they're getting solid numbers out there to go to these games. Which I and I don't care if it's AAA, okay. It doesn't matter if it's A-ball to me, A or double A, all right. It's minor league baseball. A lot of these cities that have these minor league teams have issues drawing people. My team, my Lansing Lugnuts, okay, in the <laughs> Midwest League or where I'm from. It you know great name, super cool ballpark, Old Louisville Park. It's changed the name now, but it's A-ball. They for the again, for, it was a novelty for the first, you know, five, six years, people were going to games. Now they can't draw flies. All right. So it's it to me, it's about the organization. It's about the people that are working at the ground level, whether it's with the aviators or whether it's with the Chihuahuas, you know, or with whether it's with uh, the, you know, the Sabre with with it, you know, with the with the uh, Sacramento's franchise or what it doesn't matter, whatever city it is. It's about those people in that organization you know, doing things that are that are benefiting the franchise and that get people out to the ballpark, and Vegas does it as well as anybody. So that's why I'm so positive. That's why you are as well in, in thinking that they could support both these teams because I think they could absolutely do it. And uh, and again, it's not it's not a situation. It, it, let's put it this way, Tim. Right? It's not a situation where people that go to Aviators games. Are going to be like okay? I'm not going to Aviators games anymore. I'm just going to go to all Las Vegas A's games. That's mm-hmm. it, that's just not how this city operates. It's not how it, it's just not going to happen that way. So it's not going to happen that way with the with the, uh, with the with the with the with the AHL team here. Okay, it's not the Henderson Silver Knights fans out there in Henderson, which is its own city, by the way. You know, that has like what 400,000 people that live in Henderson. It's not like that stadium, that, that, that brand-new arena that seats, what, four or 5,000 or whatever it is. It's not like there's fans that are going to be going to Henderson Silver Knights games and saying, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to go to Henderson games because I'm just going to all Golden Knights games. No, that's not how it works. And it's the same thing with the, with the Aviators and with the Las Vegas A's that they become the Las Vegas A's. It's going to be the same thing. It's, it, it's a different entity. We're talking about Major League Baseball. Okay. yes, you talked about the pricing and about, you know, it's not going to be through the roof. Well, it's not going to be through the roof, but it's going to be especially for the first two years or so. It's going to be it's not going it's not going to be cheap. Let's put it that way to go to Major League Baseball games here in Vegas for the first couple of seasons. I would expect. All right. Uh, But at the same time, it's not the same thing as triple A baseball. It's not the same thing as the Pacific Coast League. So the fans that still go to aviators games, and still pay the lower prices, right? Even even though it's kind of, you know, it's kind of boutique as far as if you want to go buy food and buy beers and stuff like that, it's still kind of expensive up there because it's Vegas, but but uh, I, that's neither here nor there, I digress. But getting back to the price, people are going to still go to Aviators games, okay? Because they, they they like the product, they like the, you know, they're fans of the team and they've been fans of minor league baseball here in Vegas for a long time. So they're in and, and it's and we know the dynamic, you know, the demographics of Summerland—it's a nice—it's—it's it's, you know—it's one of our nicer suburbs, and it, and and, it, and it's almost its own entity. So people are still going to go to those games, and maybe they go to both. Maybe they go to both Aviators and A's games. But I'm telling you right now, and I think you think this—I and I—I I think you're on the same page on this too, Tim. People are going to be pumped to have Major League Baseball here in Vegas. You know, the baseball fans going to be jacked to have a major league franchise here in Vegas, and it's going to be supported from from the onset. And then and then we'll see what happens after that, because I think it's just, again, I keep coming back to the novelty. I keep coming back to the newness of it. That's going to be a big key when if and when a franchise comes here.
1: Step one begins Tuesday when the city of Oakland will vote on the stadium proposal, which looks like it will be shot down. So don't fret – City of Oakland fans, because let's look at the timeline. Chris, you, you lost, you lost the Raiders. You lost Golden State. They basically play in San Francisco now. You're about to lose the A's. But good news: the Oakland Arena, which hosted the Golden State Warriors for many, many years, uh, and a group called the AASEG. I don't know if you saw this or not, but they have put in a bid to the WNBA for an expansion team, a woman-led expansion team that would play in the city of Oakland. And it looks uh, – all indications are this will be accepted, Chris. So they will have a professional team still. It will be the new WNBA Oakland franchise when that's
0: granted. So there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> but I mean, but Jose brought up – he said they're trying to force their hand. Look, everybody out – you guys all know what's been going on for what? The past – it seems like five Six, seven years with Oakland and the A's like they've been trying to build a stadium for years. So what now all of a sudden at the 11th, 45th hour, you know what I mean? It's 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 going to turn all of a sudden now the city of Oakland is just going to fold or, you know, there, or the powers that be over there are just going to say, oh, yeah, well, now we're just we're just going to find a way to make this work financially. And we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that the stadium gets and the team stays here in Oakland. And we're going to build a stadium here in Oakland. That's not. That's just not. It doesn't seem very realistic to me. So that's why I'm, you know, so kind of hopped up on this idea that they could come here. Because, and again, I pointed this out before. And I'm not going to regurgitate everything I said. But it's just, it's just, it just seems like the most reasonable and rational option regarding the Oakland A's. And if they do relocate, and, you know, after all the chatter you've heard across the board from from Rob Manfred to frick to the people in the Oakland A's organization to, you know, major league baseball to the fans, to people out there. I and mean, it just seems like Vegas is that sexy destination right now, whether it's major league baseball or it's the NBA or, or any, you know, of, of the, uh, the major four sports. This is a spot that, that is, uh, extremely viable. And I think that's why the, uh, the idea of that coming here is becoming very real.
1: That's the voice of Chris Wynn. This is Tim Mungles. at heatwave sports, Every every Saturday and Sunday night, right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. When we come back, we have an elimination game coming up on Tuesday night. Can the Milwaukee Bucks win their first NBA title in 50 years? And can the uh, Valley of the Sun, and the Phoenix Suns, can they stave off elimination and force a Game Seven on their home floor Friday night? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more here. Still to come on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports
0: Radio. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Sports
1: with Tim Longlesby and Tom Barton. Gene Hackman might be in the locker room pre- prior to Game 6 in Milwaukee on Tuesday night as the Bucks have their chance to win their first title in 50 years. 50 years. Oh, by the way, the team they're playing, the Phoenix Suns, 53 years. So, Chris, we knew that playoffs were going to be something special. And we saw as LeBron goes down in game in round one, you know, we saw, saw the pieces start to fall in place here. The Sixers get knocked out as well. And all of a sudden, we have a Milwaukee-Phoenix championship final, which I think has been fabulous. You know, when you look at the Suns taking a 2-0 lead in this series in double-digit wins, Milwaukee's now has fought back to win the last three games, Chris, including an 11-point deficit in Game 4 on their home court. They get the job done. Game 5 in Phoenix, down 17 after the first quarter. They find a way to win this game and hold on. And now, the chance to win this at home. its This is going to be a, just an exciting, exciting game on Tuesday night to go along with an exciting series.
0: Yeah, Tim, the Bucks became the first road team to win in this series. Of course, we've seen basically three straight wins by the Bucks after going two down, down 2-0 in the series. If they do come back to win the finals, Tim... They'll complete its second two zero comeback in this postseason for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, along with the fifth in NBA Finals history. So, some numbers that are uh, truly uh, kind of uh, you know mind blowing if you take a look at those. And Game five winners of a tied series, Tim, have won the NBA Finals twenty one of the last twenty nine times. So, not looking great from that standpoint if you're the Phoenix Suns and. Look, this was one of those series. When we 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 saw what kind of you know how it all shook out here. The past five games, it was a matter of you know you, you just you just expected the home team to win almost right. You almost expected that this was going to go seven games, and you're going to give Phoenix obviously the edge because they were they were going to be the team that's playing in a game seven at home, and now they are on the verge of getting bounced out after very much. Like the Vegas Golden Knights, to be quite honest with you, where you know he had that, where the Vegas Golden Knights were in that, uh, were down two zero in that series uh, against the uh, against the Avalanche and end up winning what four straight to uh, to win that series. Uh, this is very much the same kind of playing out, pretty much the same way as uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Very surprised. Now, look, I talked with Tommy about this last week. This whole dynamic of the series changed when the injury status of Giannis out the was kind of, you know, it was kind of figured out, right. We were able to see exactly what was going to happen with him from that injury standpoint. And if he was going to be effective or not, and him being, you know, able to come back and play well and play well at a high level has changed the complexion of the series and changed really the viewpoint. And it's not just, not just us everyday guys that watch, you know, that are NBA fans or just, you know, that are, you know, putting uh, a, a few ducats here and there on these games. It's people that are experts saying, "Look, this—it's just—it's just changed the complex—the the complexity. It changed the whole setup of this series with with Giannis Antetokounmpo and him being able to play at a high level. And the Bucks immediately came—you know—a team that was favored to win it, and it, it was expected almost to win it. And now they're sitting there on the doorstep, and I don't see a scenario that presents itself to him. Maybe you do where the Phoenix Suns go up there and reverse the direction of this series where, you know, you've got a team that's won three straight and they seem like they're just continuing to improve, right? And they're continuing and offensively they're just, they're you know, you've got contributions from the likes of Holiday and you've got, you know, it, it seems like Chris Middleton is averaging like 35 points a game in the last like three. I mean, the guy's killing it. And so you, you, you've got a situation where you've got a team that's rolling Right now in Milwaukee, I don't. I just don't foresee some type of of situation where you know you got you got a Bucks team that's you know dropping forty three and a quarter, dropping thirty six and yeah. a quarter, you know, and like in and, and like like it's nothing. I mean, it's just I don't see uh, any scenario where Phoenix goes up there and wins. Now, look, I mean, it it's, it could happen, I guess. And then of course you've got uh, we've got a Game Seven, and Game Sevens are great, but I I really. Would be surprised if Phoenix went up there. Uh, and, and look, I like their coach. I like the makeup of their team from a you know nice combination of veteran young player standpoint. And they have got horses, okay. And they could go up there and win. They could go up there and win, but I just don't see. I just don't see it happening. You, you,
1: okay, let's let's kind of look at the series. I know you you and uh, Tom had a, a great spirited debate about about this last week, and we're talking right. about. Uh, Chris Paul and, and the legacy that he has. And the legacy that he has is he's a playoff choker. And up until game four, I think, Chris, he was really um, proving that theory wrong. He, he had a great season. He had an excellent postseason. And in game four, he was absolutely horrible. Game five, he, he picked it up a little bit, but still turnovers at bad, bad times, bad shots in, in uh, clutch situations. And the pressure I could see starting to build there for him. And you're right, you know, this series and what we've learned in professional sports is really is nothing's over till it's over. And yes, could Phoenix go to Milwaukee and win? Absolutely, it could happen. I I'm with you and I'm with Tom. I don't think I think it ends Tuesday, but if there's a Game Seven, you're going back to Phoenix where they're eight and two on their home floor in the postseason, and anything definitely can happen. But if you want to really break it down from what I've seen, you mentioned Middleton and his unbelievable play with Giannis. So when you have Phoenix and Booker has been just unbelievable. What's the missing piece? The missing piece was Chris Paul in games four and five in games that they had leads in that blew, that they blew. When you're, when you're a veteran and one of the best point guards potentially, I, I, I want to say one of you had him in the top five. I definitely think you have to put him in the top ten. I'm, I wouldn't say top five on my end, but still, it's a great debate. He wasn't the leader that they needed in games four and five, and now they find themselves in an elimination situation.
0: Yeah, both myself and Tommy didn't have him in the top five all-time for point guards. Mm-hmm. But that was the you know, the gist of the debate. We were talking about Chris Paul, right, Tim, and his legacy and where he fits in among all-time great point guards. And obviously, when they could take a 2-0 lead in this series, you had a lot of basketball fans out there, a lot of talking heads saying, oh, well, this is going to solidify Chris Paul in that whole discussion regarding the greatest point guards. No one necessarily talked about what what position he was or as far as like where he was number three or number five or number seven or whatever. It was more about, you know, finally here's a guy who had a long 16-year career who was one of the best point guards of his generation and now he gets that ring, right? And that's where the ring kind of separates a lot of the point guards from, from the other ones, to be quite frank with you, right? Whether it's Magic Johnson, whether it's Isaiah Thomas, You know, whether it's Steve Nash, whether it's, you know, you can talk about the great point guards across the board, whether it's Oscar Robertson or, you know, uh, uh, John Stockton, obviously. I mean, there's, it's uh, a lot of those point guards are, are high on their rankings, obviously because of their career, because of their career numbers, uh, especially when you're talking about John Stockton because obviously doesn't have a ring. But the point being is that, is that, that was the discussion regarding Chris Paul. Oh, there was an assumption that he just jumps up. You know, he's going to jump up into the top five because if he wins a championship this year, that puts him on a level with those guys who actually won rings and were also outstanding at the position. Well, now, after what you just talked about, okay, in the last two games, and by the way, it's what's kind of crazy about it two ten, you look at his stat line in game five, it wasn't horrendous. I mean, the guy shot, what, 9 of 15 from the field, he was 3 for 3 from 3, and had 11 assists, 20 of points, but it was about the, the, the situational things, right? It was it was It was the big moments in the game where he did not step up. And so, yeah, while numbers can be deceiving at times, they can absolutely be deceiving, especially when you're talking about Chris Paul in a game five. But to your point, the last couple of games, no. He hasn't been the guy that's been the leader who's gone out there and said, I'm taking this team on my back, and I'm going to will them to an NBA championship. That just hasn't happened. He hasn't been that guy to do that. And you brought up Devin Booker. Let me tell you something, Tim. This Phoenix Suns team is is not I mean, they don't even they're not even in that game five without Devin Booker going for 40 points, right? I mean, he he was absolutely electric. They don't they are not even in the game. You know, they end up losing the game by four, it goes down to, you know, Drew Holiday makes the great play and all that and 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 Milwaukee, you know, ends up uh ending this, you know, win at home type of thing going on. But It wasn't as if, you know, it wasn't as if Chris Paul, you know, was just carrying this team. No, it was Devin Booker offensively who was just unreal. So I think I look at it from a, if you want to look at it from a, uh, if you want to cap this whole thing off regarding Chris Paul and the Suns, it's going to be looked at as a missed opportunity. He's going to look at it. It's going to be looked at as Chris Paul had a chance and didn't close it. And. It's going to the big question is going to be this, right, Tim? Can they get back there? Because you know, the 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 normal person would sit back and say, yeah, maybe they can, because they have a, they, they got a lot of young players. They got you know, obviously DeAndre Aiden. They've got you know, they have got Devin Booker. They've got some other pieces that are very good, and that and that's why they're here. And they but we all understand what's going to happen next season when it comes back. the Western Conference is going to be just a little bit different, I'd say, right? Next mm-hmm. season. So it's it's not necessarily like they have a wide open window of opportunity here to go for, you know, for the next 2 or 3 years to win a championship. But they will, it's not looked at as if let, let me put, let me let me lay it out there like this, right Tim. It's not like if they lose this series, it's over for Chris Paul and the Suns. I mean, they'll have a chance. But it'll be looked at it is going to be looked at historically in the NBA as Chris Paul choked He had a golden opportunity to capture his first and maybe only championship. And in the last three games of the series, depending on what happens in game six, he was not able to come through in the big spots. And that's going to have an impact on the way that we look at Chris Paul and his legacy. And it's it's going to have an impact, obviously, on how we look at the Phoenix Suns as a team and as a franchise after this series, if Milwaukee is able to be victorious on Tuesday night
1: we'll face it Chris right didn't didn't Chris Paul sign the one-year deal in Phoenix to ultimately get one last big deal somewhere else and I, Tommy and I had talked about this last night that uh, he thought maybe Paul would come back I said I think if they win the title if Phoenix finds a way to win this title in seven games that's your best chance of bringing Chris Paul back for an, whatever it would be a three or four-year deal to, before he retires right if they lose uh, he's, in my opinion, he's good as gone, and I had thrown out the Lakers as a destination because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't he want to go play with LeBron and AD? Right? It's, it seems like a, the simple thing to do. And you have Dennis Schrader, Schrader as your starting point guard, making twenty five million. You could bring Chris Paul in, get rid of Schrader in that contract. He didn't seem to think that that maybe that was a destination because I think you know, again, Tom's like, why would anybody want to play there? They're they're all friends, right, Chris? They, you know, they get along, and their their goal is to win titles. And that's something that that I think Chris Paul wants to do and Maybe he feels that LA would be the destination to do it if he can't do it in Phoenix this year.
0: Well, I don't look, I don't necessarily know if he's just about gonna jet set out of Phoenix if they lose. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he's got a good relationship. Him and Monty Williams obviously go back to their time with the, the New Orleans clip with the New Orleans Pelicans when he was there in New Orleans, actually with the Hornets actually. But he you know, he has a very good relationship with him. He's one of the you know younger up and coming coaches in the NBA. A lot, a lot of, he had, they have a lot of respect for him, uh, and they have a lot of respect for each other. I don't know if you had the chance to see the segment they did a segment on either it was NBA TV or ESPN where they talked directly to Chris Paul about you know the trials and tribulations that himself along with Monty Williams have been going through in the, in the past you know six seven years. So that, that I don't I don't necessarily think that it's going to be one of those deals, Tim. Where, yeah, if they lose, it's going to be, well, Chris Paul is just pissed. And he's going to go look for, you know, a bigger and better deal somewhere else. And what I mean by bigger and better deal is like he's going to go to the, you know, go to the Clippers or go somewhere where, you know, where he may think they have a better chance to win. I still think that this is a Phoenix Suns team. Yes, we all understand that that Clay and, you know, the Warriors are going to be a different team next year. We understand that the Lakers, with everybody healthy, are probably the best team in the West, right? And so things are going to change in the Western Conference. Clippers are still going to be there. So the Western Conference is going to be very tough next year. But I still don't count Phoenix out. I still think they could be one of those top teams. You know, we're talking about one of the top four teams in the, in the West and could absolutely still get back to the NBA Finals again next year with, with the, the current group that they have. And maybe they do make improvements, right? Maybe they do add a piece here and there that makes him even a better team. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really necessarily at bored with the whole Chris Paul has to leave if they get bounced out in this NBA finals because I think there are some uh, very good, positive reasons why he could stay there in Phoenix and still chase an NBA title.
1: Game number six will be in Milwaukee Tuesday night, 6 o'clock tip-off. The, the Bucs Lane Five, Chris, give me your prediction. Give me the give me the winner, and do they cover? Obviously, if you're Phoenix, you're covering the spread. Is Milwaukee your team, and do they cover that number?
0: Milwaukee is my team. I'm going to put a few ducats on it. I will have the Bucks in Game Six. You've seen it. We've all seen it. It's a electric atmosphere there at the Fizzer Forum in the Beer District. There, it's a it's a great time if you're a Bucks fan right now, and if you're if you're a, a, a someone who is an admirer of this Bucks franchise because you got one of the best players in the world on your team, you've got a solid supporting cast, and you have an emergence of a guy like a Chris Middleton, who myself, Tim, as a Detroit Pistons fan, think about another guy that got away, went to another <laughs> team, and you know just exploded on the scene, and now is a superstar. Well, not superstar, but let's not get crazy, but still a very good player. And this is, I just think they're primed and ready to do it. First time, right, Tim, since 1973, 74, when I was just a young buck. I don't think you were born yet. Right. So no, no, sir. it's been a long time since the Milwaukee bucks have hoisted the Larry O'Brien trophy. And I think they do it again on Tuesday night. But, but like you said, Hey, I guess anything can happen to him and we could, we could end up with a, with what I think would be a mini shocker if, if the Phoenix suns went up there and won a game because of the juggernaut that they're about to go into as far as like that atmosphere and, and, and the confidence that this Bucks team is playing with right now. But uh, I just don't see it. I think the Milwaukee closes it out on Tuesday, and uh, and the NBA offseason officially gets rolling on Wednesday this week.
1: Chris, don't be sad about ex-Piston players. Just get that pre-order ready for that Cunningham jersey July the 29th, my man.
0: You know I am all pumped up about that, right? I, I'm just so excited. We haven't had the number one pick i think since bob lanier back in the 70s i think it was the last time or no, no excuse me We had isaiah thomas right isaiah thomas i think we took isaiah number one though i think he might have been the third pick overall i'm not sure either way i remember bob lanier was a bit was, was uh, definitely a number one pick for us it's been a long time okay we've got you know the deal tim right we've had a lot of number twos and number threes and a couple of the number threes worked out the number two obviously Darko Milicic not so much uh, given we had like what four or five at least Hall of Famers that were picked after him but uh, pretty excited to see Cade Cunningham wearing a Pistons jersey next year and uh, a lot of comparisons being made to the likes of Jason Tatum and some other people we shall see all about that but uh, I'll tell you as a franchise that's kind of wallowing in below mediocrity and sometimes awfulness in Detroit after you know the solid years of the early 2000s, it's going to be uh, a, a lot of optimism, let's put it that way, Tim, with uh, the Pistons getting the likes of Cade Cunningham in the NBA draft this year.
1: As we head to hour number two, Isaiah Thomas' the second overall pick in 1981. Number one, Chris was a guy yes. named Mark Aguirre. So.
0: That's Not it.
1: Yes. Not bad. All yeah. right, still to come in hour two, we're going to kick things off with a little Major League Baseball talk as we are... Into the second half of the season now. Also, there's a thing called an expansion draft for the NHL. Yes, Vegas Golden Knight fans know you just went through one a few years ago. Well, the newest member of the NHL, the Seattle Kraken, will build their team up Wednesday night. Some interesting names on this list. I'm going to get Chris's thoughts on that. And if there's time, there's something called the Olympics happening soon. We'll we'll kind of throw that around as well. See what Chris's favorite Olympic sports are and and what he's looking forward to watching here in about – Less than a week's time. It's T Wave Sports here on a Super Sunday night. Fox Sports Radio.